Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Rail. While you listen to this podcast and think about the topics we'll explore, remember that the areas you're moving into are always most important. Always prepare for what you're about to do and always know what's happening while you're doing it. That's how you move to protect others and yourself. Now from headquarters, here's our host, Jason Francis. Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Rail. Who do we got today, Travis? Today we have Peter Poggle. Yes, sir. One of our fleet managers. Yep. How you doing, Peter? Not too bad. How about you guys? Good. Doing fantastic. We're happy to see you down here, man. Yeah. I see you in the office quite a bit, but we're here today. We want to get to know you a little bit, man. Um, How long have you been here at rail? Uh... Just hit a year, actually, a year and a month. I think I started June 6th of last year. Wow, time flies by. I could have swore you just started last week. Yeah, it kind of feels like it. So tell us about your role. What is what is a fleet manager? What does a fleet manager do? Yeah, so I work in the refrigerated division. Um, I work, right now I have 31 drivers that I work with. Um, kind of oversee, you know, operations in that department. Um Make sure they're getting where they need to go. Uh, have the info that they need when they're getting to customers. Um, help them handle any problems. Point them in the right direction when problems do come up. Um, yeah, yeah. It's so these are experienced drivers that you're dealing with, or do you have uh, brand new guys? Or a nice mix of both. So um, I have had several drivers. Actually, just yesterday had another driver fresh out of Phase 3 come over to my board. Um, Got to meet him for the first time. So uh, it's always really cool to work with new drivers that are out of Phase 3. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to see their progression. So... Very cool. And then you do have some that have been around for a while too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so when I started here, um, the the person who was training me was primarily working with home nightly drivers. And that's kind of how I was trained when I started here. And uh, so I had gotten accustomed to that. And when my trainer moved to a different position, I was kind of tossed that board of drivers. So I had already had kind of a, a relationship with a lot of the drivers. Um and so that's the board that I took over. And uh, yeah, it was actually, it was, it was really cool. Um, now I think I'm at a, a mix of about one third home nightly to uh, the other two thirds regional and national. So right on. It's a so different what, world. What did you do before you came to rail? Just to- Most recently I worked as a pharmacy technician in Plover for eh, a little under a year. Um, I moved up from Madison. Give me the short and sweet version. What is a pharmacy tech? Uh, you do kind of all the grunt work in a pharmacy. Accounting, uh, filling the bottles. And... Exactly. Submitting insurance, okay. um, dealing with insurance companies, getting the orders and filling them, um, slapping the labels on them, right. selling them to patients, et cetera. Stuff so like then that. you then you came here to rail. What made you wanna what made you wanna make a change and come to rail? You know, I was looking for work in this area, well, in the central Wisconsin area in general, and Rail actually contacted me based on my uh, resume that I had on uh, one of the popular hiring sites, and I was contacted by Jess from Rail, and it uh, it was a uh, something I had no idea even existed <laughs> in the position itself. Um, 
I knew the trucking industry, obviously, but uh, I had not been aware of what a fleet manager was prior to having the conversation with her when we spoke on the phone. And it sounded like a opportunity that I would be interested in. So I came in for an interview. And by the end of that interview, I uh, I was kind of hoping I got the position. So Right on. So we've talked about this in the past, about the whole process for drivers coming on board and stuff you know what the schooling is like what the training is like what's it like coming into the office you weren't originally from the trucking business so I mean you're entering a whole new world learning a whole new language sort of yeah what is what is the process like you know it was interesting um pretty in-depth actually I mean as far as coming in you know obviously we we learn the office side of things but in addition to that I was also in a experienced driver's course for a week um got to kind of see the side of things from a driver's perspective the experienced driver's course is the orientation thing that you come to that like if you were an experienced driver yes you came to rail you would go to this class for a week before they put you in a truck and sent you down the road. Exactly. Yeah. So I got to, uh, you know, see kind of that re-onboarding process. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was actually really insightful kind of seeing that side of things, uh, learning more about what drivers do, you know, what the expectations of drivers are, uh, learning the railway. Um, yeah, it was, it was actually really, uh, really beneficial. I even went out with a driver for a couple of days here in the central Wisconsin area. Wait, wait, wait. They sent a dispatcher out with a driver? Sure did. So you guys actually know what drivers go through? Yeah, so kind of seeing how the, you know, reefer operated, going through doing pre-trips. He walked me through every step of his pre-trip. Um, just kind of, it gave me a better understanding of what I, you know, was was expecting as a fleet manager of of drivers so that was really pretty insightful so this was all during like the first week i think that was week two okay so first week was just getting my feet wet and so what happens after that i mean i'm there's a intensive training program here at rail for the office workers so yes walk us through some of those steps uh yeah so after that it was coming back into the office working one-on-one with my trainer um Kind of, you know, starting to handle some phone calls a little bit, um, you know, manipulating the, the computer side of things, learning how workflows work. What do you do when you're not at rail? I know you're here a lot because I'm here a lot and I see you all the time. So <laughs> Yeah, Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturday. Um, now on weekends... Um, well, as you know, Jason, I uh, I am a fellow musician. So yeah, uh, I was I was excited to get into these stories. Yeah, yeah. I uh, <laughs> that's I, I work uh, what for is, hire. What nowadays. instrument do you play? I play the bass, uh, electric and upright bass. Oh, I was gonna so. say, is it just one of them cheesy little four string things? Oh, um, <laughs> well, you know, honestly, five string these days. <laughs> but yeah, I. Uh, I toured for a lot of years playing upright bass um, through the U.S. and Europe. That's actually what I used to do from for my job. That was prior to the pharmacy tech, prior to a couple other jobs that I had worked also. But, yeah, that's what I did for some time to, to pay the bills. Was you ever play with anybody that we would know? Or? Oh, you know, if anyone's into the uh, kind of – Classic country, the old truck driving country. Uh, I used to play with a fella from Bakersfield, California, named Red Simpson. 
And uh, if you've ever heard of Buck Owens, Merle Haggard, um, he wrote a lot of songs for those guys, Dave Dudley. And uh, Red was kind of right alongside those dudes. And uh, you know that song, Is Highway it? Patrol? That, yeah. was just, that was a Red Simpson tune. I got to play that with him a lot of times. What's life like out on the road on a touring band? It's a job. It's work. It's it's gross. It's stressful. Um, it's it's a lot of traveling. I mean, a lot of people, you know, they have a an idea that you know you're playing in a touring band and it's partying. It's getting drunk and you know having wild parties. Not for me. Um, my goal, I, I try to keep it as professional as possible. I, I mean, not to say that I didn't have fun. I mean, because touring, it, it is a blast. You get to see a lot. You get to meet a lot of people, um, especially traveling through as many countries as I, I was able to. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I was, the, I was the guy to make sure that the van was unloaded, reloaded. We were on our way to get where we needed to go. Um, I kind of took pride in that, did a lot of the driving. It, it was what I enjoyed doing. Um, so yeah, it's it's work. I mean, there's always downtime. There's always fun time. But uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely a job, and it's it can be quite stressful. And then you're on stage for at least a couple hours a night, entertaining. And if you get a day off, usually that day is for traveling. So it's it's a grind. And uh, I think I spent you know the, the shortest long scale tour I did was two months, and the longest tour I did was about six months. So it's it's a lot of time away from home. So I'm gonna geek out for a minute here. Mm-hmm. I know I know I'm not the only guitar player that listens to this show. What kind of equipment are we using? Oh, for my bass stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm a huge gear nerd. Um, I have uh-huh. way too much bass equipment. Um, I have a uh, oh geez, if you want the rundown, yeah, I'll just, give it to you. I want to I want to know what what is the for the upstring. What is, what is what is that so one? Is my it got upright, a brand name on it? It's a Shen SB90, I believe. I use a laminate base because uh, I'm really hard on it, and uh, when I'm touring with it, it can withstand temp. Temperature can uh, changes, climate can ch- uh, change drastically when you're on tour. I don't have to worry about that thing cracking, exploding, you know, like carved bases do. So fantastic. Um, the strings. Uh, I'm really picky about those. I mean, I use, my geez, I think they're very expensive, <laughs> as all upright bass strings are. Part of the reason why I like playing electric bass more. Um, for electric bass, mainly what I'm playing right now is a Spectre uh, Euro five string and an Ernie Ball Music Man Stingray five string, and I've got slew of amplifiers a nice orange orange stack uh Ooh, the big old orange the, got yeah the, got the padding all around it uh no no this is just uh well it's one of their lunchbox 500 watt terror amps uh, i have a couple of their single 12 inch cabs i've got you know 410 galleon krieger a 900 watt dark glass very nice all kinds of stuff i think the one base that i love that i hardly ever take out is a rickenbacker 4003s that is it's a walnut base it's my baby i don't like to take it out a whole lot once in a while but but that's the one that kind of stays at home and then and you've got to have a precision base too so sure i mean gotta have one of those you just you kind of <laughs> have to so so there's one of those, but yeah, I could talk gear for hours. So. Yeah, well, yep. we're not going to do that nope. for hours, but I wanted <laughs> I wanted to brush on it a little bit because I'm a little bit of a gear nerd too. Yep. But. Well, it's kind of interesting how you 
did the packing and, you know, packing the car up, packing the van up, packing whatever it is mm-hmm. up with all the equipment, mm-hmm. making sure everything's organized and then doing some driving. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what you're doing or you're involved in now, helping people do similar kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of – I've – I've told some of the drivers that I work with, you know, especially the drivers, the guys and gals that are over the road. Um, you know, I I know what it's like being gone away from home and family. Um, I can understand, you know, not on the exact same level because I'm not doing the same type of work, but I know what it's like being away. And I know how I know what it's like to be homesick, wanting to get home, you know, being far away when something goes wrong. And you can't be there at that moment um, when things do go wrong or, you know, for certain certain milestones, events. And uh, I can I can definitely relate at least a little bit to that because I know, you know, I definitely had some serious moments of being homesick or something would go wrong back home and you, you can't be there. And, yeah, so I, I get it. I know it's a stressful thing to deal with and. And the drivers I'm working with are dealing with that on a regular basis. So it's nowadays I have a home base. I've I've got my couch, I've got my bed, but I I don't I don't forget what it was like when I was gone traveling. So, are you married? Uh no, no. Girlfriend? Uh, yeah, girlfriend. Uh, as close to a also as close to a stepdaughter as I could have. She's almost seventeen. Get along real well. So it's it's good. Home life is excellent. So good. What do you guys like to do? When you're not, when you're all together. Oh, I like going to shows, seeing music, and uh, that's again kind of a common common theme. Um, I'm kind of a giant child. I still like to skateboard. <laughs> it's yeah. I, I remember running into you one time. Uh, well, not running into you, but uh, I saw you, and you mentioned to me about uh, some board, like a what was it? Like a, a, oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I really like uh, things with motors on them. So I have uh, I have a couple of electric skateboards that I ride around. And uh, again, I'm 40 years old, but I'm a giant child. And I you have one of those. Up. You have one of those one wheels. Uh, I did. <laughs> I'm really bad at those things. <laughs> the older you get, the longer it takes to get back up after you fall. And I've you know been slowly figuring that out. So uh, so yeah, I, I stick to the things with four wheels now. Mm. It's a little more my, stable. My daughter bought one of those, and she's obsessed with it. She runs around on that thing constantly. Yep. <laughs> They're fun. Don't get me wrong. The board I just got not too long ago, it'll do well over 30 miles an hour. Jeez. And uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Big wheels? Like big rubber wheels? Uh, I believe they're... Seven-inch tires, pneumatic tires. Yeah, that's and it's got full independent suspension on it. I mean, going that fast, man. I think better like uh, yeah. run over the cracks. Good. It does. I really yeah. need to. I really need to see this thing now. You've got my curiosity peaked. You got a motor on the back of it. Is that two how it of works? Them. Two belt drive motors. Yeah. I can't even picture that. I mean, I I've seen the scooters, you know, with the handles on them, with a the little motor on the back. I've seen those. Something to hang on to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I've never. I can't imagine just a skateboard. Was it? Yeah. This with thing, two motors on them. This thing's got four <laughs> adjustable shocks, one for each each tire or each wheel. So, yeah, you can fully adjust it. It's crazy. What happens if you hit a rock? Uh, <laughs> you, you depends on how big it. the rock yeah, is. Huh? Yeah, it depends on the size, but it's made to go off-road. So Is it really? Yeah. I nice. really got to see this thing. Well, yeah, yeah. Ice Age Trail. Well, you can't do that on the Ice Age no, Trail. No, it's not but legit. You can't. 
can't ride bicycles or anything on the uh, Ice Age Trail. It's for hiking only. We've been talking about this Ice Age Trail for uh, a few yeah. episodes. Yeah. There yeah. are a lot of good trails around. There, There is definitely a lot of good trails. The Green Circle Trail oh, yeah. in Stevens Point is a good one. I yeah, see guys beautiful. I see guys doing the one wheels and stuff mm-hmm. on that. But. I used to ride that when I was a kid because mm-hmm. I grew up in Stevens Point, actually, and I still remember going taking the mountain bikes out on the Green Circle Trail. It's, it's still there. Nice it's been rerouted a couple of times now on the one corner there, but it's it's still there. Yeah. You guys do any good concerts uh, recently? What's your most recent concert uh, you've been to? I played a small uh, kind of country bluegrass festival this last weekend down in the Manawa area. Um, it's a really good time. I'm playing kind of regularly with a couple of musicians or a couple bands in the area here and uh speaking of which who is that guy that you've been playing with the one i saw you play uh, with? uh his name is kevin trestler t-r-o-e-s-t-l-e-r and that's how you spell his last name if you look him up he's got stuff on spotify um he's putting out a new album pretty soon but guy's in his late 20s and he is an amazing guitar player he's just proficient just talented you can you can play a lot of different styles and play them well how'd you guys meet up how did how did you connect just after years of us both playing in the wisconsin music scene we all we both kind of knew of each other and i moved back up to this central wisconsin area a couple years ago from the madison area ran into him and figured you know fate hey let's play some shows together i need a gig you need a bass player let's do this so um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sitting in with him quite a bit. I, uh, I play occasionally with a guy from Wausau. His name's Billy Bronsted, another super talented musician. Um, I think I'll be performing some shows with him later this summer into this fall. Um, but yeah, I kind of work for hire these days and pick up shows when people need a bass player. So it happens. Been- it happens more often than I like to admit. What else do you guys like to do? Uh, just went on a vacation not too long ago, actually. Uh, obviously, it involved music. Um, my my girlfriend and I, we went out to Vegas. We try to go, like, once a year just because it's a fun de- destination spot. Good food, and, good uh, entertainment. Yeah. The food is where we spend the most money. I'm not a huge gambler. Um, I'm not a drinker. So it's actually a fairly cheap vacation if you plan it out right. But, uh, but no, there was a music festival out there that we wanted to go to back in May. So we went on a vacation it's nice to have like one good vacation a year you know just you, you kind of got to have have little things to look forward to plan out and uh so we try to do that kind of in spring early summer um but that was kind of the last thing yeah i mean we watch a lot of movies tv stuff like that i i do play the occasional video game here and there but uh <laughs> I try not to spend too much time doing that because obviously I should probably just be practicing music since I am a musician. But we, we you know. had we had a guy in here that mentioned mentioned gaming, and mm-hmm. I I decided that I would try and go with the flow and ask him. So what are you playing? And all of a sudden he's naming off all these games, and I was just so lost. So I'm not gonna go there today. <laughs> That's bad. <That> okay. <laughs> yeah. So you came to Rail. You were fresh into the industry mm-hmm. now you know this time later uh, how you feeling uh, are you glad you got into the industry what do you how you feeling now yeah most definitely it's uh been an eye-opening experience i mean i come from a background in management leadership but in 
more of a retail setting. Um, I worked in, you know, doing food processing, meat processing, seafood, stuff like that when I lived in Madison, but working as leadership. Um, and then when I, you know, came into this position as being a fleet manager um, in an industry that I had no experience with. Um, I mean, in my last jobs, I could teach anyone how to do the job that we were doing. And coming into this industry, it was just, it was a completely different environment. It was, uh, you know, working in, in an office, not being hands-on with the people that I was working with. So it was, you know, it took a bit of acclimating into the position, but, uh, you know, everyone, I, one of the questions I asked everyone when I got hired here was, how long did it take before you felt comfortable in your role as a fleet manager? I just asked just about everybody that I talked to who was a fleet manager. And everyone kind of had the same the same answer. It was like, eh, things really started to click about six months. Yep. They say yep. six months in, you'll have a day with no questions. Yep. And then six months later, you'll have another one. Yep. And I, <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It was true. It kind of frightened me at the time thinking like, oh, wow, I'm not going to know what I'm doing for six months. No, it's it was just, there's so many things to learn. Um Anything from just regulations to, uh, you know, what a relay is. I mean, you know, how to set them up, how to figure out the best point A to point B. It, it's, there's so many different things to learn, and I'm still learning on a daily basis. I mean, I can't even tell you. I, I probably bugged the other fleet managers up there three or four times today with questions. Things that I hadn't, you know, haven't come up. It just, things, things happen, and uh, every day is different. So... Yeah, I think it's finally after a year here, I'm feeling pretty comfortable, you know, but I still, I'm not afraid to say when I don't have the answer to something and, uh, you know, a driver will ask me something and I don't always have the answer, but I'll always, I'll always do my best to find it. So. Yeah. Well, I think what Travis is angling at is now that you've been around the trucking business for mm -hmm. a year, year and a half, Yeah. where do you see trucking going in the future? Kind of stretch your imagination. What? What do you think might happen here in the future with trucking? You know, that's a tough one. I mean, there's always going to be a need for product to get to consumers. I mean, that's just, it's something that we're going to need. And uh, I don't foresee that stopping. I mean, there's only so many ways that you can get product to a, to a customer, to a consumer, and trucking is... That's the main way of doing it. As far as where the trucking industry is going to go, I, I don't know. But I can't see it stopping anytime soon. So, Have you read anything about the driverless trucks or any of the technology out there? I sure have, and it f honestly kind of frightens me. <laughs> and Very nice radio edit it, there. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, uh, yeah, the technology is the big thing that will they always use the word disrupt the industry yes the way technology has been recently i i've looked into it a little bit but you know i always take everything with a grain of salt as well while it may sound like some excellent idea the logistics of it just i mean i've read too many horror stories about self-driving cars what are you going to do when you have a self-driving truck it's I mean, it scares me. I don't want to be on that road. But, uh, you know, and we've, I've seen, we have so many great drivers that uh, I, I just don't know how you can, how you can trade that for technology. And, but that's just one man's opinion. Yeah. But, uh, well, that's and that's a, that's a whole different world that we're kind of 
talking about though or that we may be moving into with like the internet of things and Mm -hmm. everything like connected to the to an internet that has that you can access you know there's not like dark spots where you lose connections and stuff Mm -hmm. so it would definitely require you know that kind of setup i'm still waiting for the teleportation machine you got anything else to add travis i don't think so all right well let's wrap this thing up then Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Keeping It Real. Keep the shiny side up and the dirty side down. Be safe out there. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for being here.